The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Welcome to Hale Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Insight, opinion, expertise, with the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at Hale Varsity and at Schmidt underscore radio. Call in at 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865. Here's Chris Schmidt. Welcome to it Wednesdays here at Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal, and you. Some open practice to check out and review from this morning. Lots of thoughts from Coach Becton and uh, Coach Lubick. So where's the offense at? We'll hear from them. We'll talk to Mike Babcock from HaleVarsity.com and Magazine. And then Bill Bender joins us in Hour 2. Uh, sporting news, his take on Nebraska, the Big Ten West race. Some thoughts from Jayhawk fans that have chimed in on <laughs> the, the the Kansas part of the expansion equation that's floated around since early in the week, or at least message board slash report slash 610 Kansas City. So, you know, a lot to get to. Keep your emails coming. We'll get to plenty of those. Chris at HaleVarsity.com can tweet in always. At uh, Herbal Essence for Elijah Herbal and uh, at Schmidt underscore radio for Chris Schmidt. Elijah, what's up? Double duty for you as well today. You, you hanging in? You got the Red Bull IV going? Or are you just you just smiling because we have more football to talk? Yeah, it's fall camp. I, I, I'm already be tired. I mean, I got a little Red Bull in me this morning. You're not tired. No, I'm young. I'm good. Uh, I got a little Red Bull in me this morning. Uh, mowed my lawn between the shows and then uh, ran a few errands, and now I'm back in, ready to talk some more football. I mean, what's what's not to love, really? No, I can't wait for it. And listen, any time you, you get a chance to to glean what's up uh, with Nebraska, you get a chance to see the the size, the strength, the speed, just through drills. Right? You're going to be smiling if you're a Nebraska football fan, and reports are in, and reviews look good, but. Really, you got to listen to what the coaches are saying. And and the biggest thing I'm taking away through, what, five practices, even through the spring and even you go to media days, it is talking season. That's what we do is we're going to talk, we're going to dissect, we're going to read into, and we'll see if if August turns into late August success, and, and then we, we go on throughout the year. What's reality versus what is uh, what's talked about, right? Does it translate over? And you can feel good, but when I hear Coach Beckton say, you know, practice one looks like practice seven, and it's specifically about just the peer leadership, I've, I've, buy, I've bought into that. I've always bought into that. When you have somebody within a company, within a team, when it's it's – it's player to player opposed to coach to player, and you need the, you need the coach to be able to to connect and 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 make a dent right into into kids as far as them being coachable and do what coach is asking. But where's the weight come from? Uh, a lot of times, it sounds like Charlie Brown's teacher, 
you, you hear the coach chirping long enough, eventually it's going to take a guy like Jurgens or an Austin Allen or a Vokalek or an Adrian Martinez to, to get somebody's attention. And, and by the way, have that respect for said teammate to listen to him. Uh, Xavier Betts, uh, we'll hear from him in, in a little bit as well. But uh, so, so far, it's a good talking game for Nebraska. And you can get excited, man. You can move that dial, not the other dial, but that dial of Husker football excitement uh, a little bit further to the right based on what you're hearing from coaches, based on what you're hearing uh, from players. We have a commitment to tell you about. Mike Schuhart, Wilderness Ridge Golf. Shuey's back in in you know, 30 minutes, so I'm, I'm, I'm jacked for that. So without further ado, Coach Lubick's where we're going to start today. And there's a lot of questions on offense, right? Uh, scoring, red zone. That's that's something that, that needs to get ironed out for Nebraska football. How are the running backs looking? What's uh, sticking out about the wide receiver core? And, of course, your quarterback, right? Adrian Martinez, how's he looking? How are things going? But let's start with Lubach, uh, Lubick here and get his take here on, on the running back group, right? Because that running back room going to be vital for this offense to score in the red zone, going to be vital for this offense to open up the passing game. Passing game's got to help the running game, and they'll work in tandem with that offensive line. But here's Lubick kind of sounding off uh, out of the gate here, uh, giving us a look-see from his perspective on the running back crew. Well, it's still work in progress. We're rotating five guys. Um, Marquis Step, the transfer, he he's done some really good things, and this is really his first time taking reps because he was hurt in the spring, and he looks 100% ready to roll. Uh, Savion Morrison is rep with the ones and twos. He's doing some really good things. Gabe Irvin has made big steps, which we expected because you're a freshman, and your, your biggest steps you make, he was actually here in the spring, is from spring to fall. So he, he's doing some really good things. But they all, and then, so, and so is Marvin, you know, and, and Ramirez. Ramirez probably having his best spring uh, since he's been here. So we've got good competition there. So you're going to go from five down to two, ideally. And somebody's going to get the bulk of the carries, somebody's going to spell said uh, bell cow running back, and then you're going to have situational options, be it Ramir or Scott or Stepp or Irvin or or Morrison, right? I mean, you, you got time to figure it out. You got a couple of weeks to figure it out, but you need that one dude. And in Nebraska, you go back to, to the Weebacks where <laughs> that wasn't a committee, man. Uh, that was a commission, right? When you have Derek Brown and Calvin Jones each going for a G. And they said, well, yeah, we can split carries, Coach Solich and Coach Osborne, because none of us just want to watch because the other guy's quite capable of going for, for 35 a game. Or you even go back to the mid-90s where you got a stable full of backs that are incredible guys, and then you got LP, right, where there's, there's just a gap. I'm on green. Uh, so Nebraska wants that guy to dot the I or – nowadays take the the shotgun handoff from the quarterback and and be the guy a little bit more intrigue here about uh what what traits are required from a top running back not in the big 10 only but also at nebraska and the sooner nebraska gets back to having 
a guy that can knock on that all-conference door, you're going to see more wins come through. Consistency, and that's not just a running back. That, that's uh, every position. You know, who's, who can we count on to do the right assignment? Uh, we ask our running backs to do a lot. We ask them to pass protect. Uh, we ask them to run down the middle. We ask them to catch balls. So who, who can do that the best on a consistent basis? And, uh, and that's really every position. You know, that's, from, that's the quarterback. That's the offensive line. That's, that's the receiver as well. Amen. You, you got to have it. And you're working through it. You've had a spring to work on it, which you didn't have. And, and now you have a, a fall camp to, to kind of fine tune where you're at. And Elijah, let's dive into the candidates here at running back. And I'm excited about a guy like, like Morrison. And we'll talk more in an hour with Derek Peterson about Morrison, kid out of Oklahoma, that everyone's excited about, uh, Spencer Tillman included. And you look at a guy like Morrison, man, I mean, totally looks the part, can be dynamic. But through five practices, it's not fair to, to say, okay, here's who's leading the race at, at mile marker five. Because there's, there's still more to go. You're going to have uh, a padded practice tomorrow that no one gets to see. Who's going to show out when, it, when it's live, right? And do you feel the same way I do that Nebraska does have a number one option that there is that guy on campus. You get the addition of Step. He can stay healthy. He's played in some big games. Uh, you look at a guy like Irvin, who isn't playing or built like a freshman based on what he's able to do. We'll hear, hear more on Irvin in a moment. And then the upside with Morrison that really never got into rhythm because of illness and COVID and all that stuff on top of guys like, uh, like Ramir that are here. I think they have that guy. Now, is he just a guy or can he be special? That's the other part of this question that time will tell and give us an answer. But I'm confident there's a couple of guys that can do the work to help this offense. I And, and I really liked uh, Ziggy. Uh, I, I liked what they had in, uh, in, in, in last year's back. Dedrick Mills. In Mills. Uh, but I think they've, they've got a guy that can be, dare I say, as good or better on campus right now that they can they can pick from and they've got to coach up and get them ready yeah uh the potential i think in the running back room is there the question is is can they step up and be that number one back this year uh that's that's where i'm I'll, versus I'll, growing into it a year two I, i'll believe it when i see it personally um when we, we saw Dedrick mills how he grew into that role his first year here um where he got better as the year went on and kind of highlighted by that that performance against wisconsin what a game he had there uh he grew into the role and, and i think there's potential for that in, in this uh this group as well the question is is somebody going to come out against Illinois week one and be that guy right off the bat or are they gonna have to grow into that role I think they they could get there um I'll just believe it when I see it that's how I feel about the running back room show me first before I get too hyped up about who the guys got there let's get a thought here on Gabe Irvin to put a book on and a bow on the uh the running back conversation from coach Lubick here uh, specifically here Gabe Irvin you know one thing that keeps young pups from playing is pass protection you're gonna get your quarterback killed well it sounds like uh, Irvin's uh, up to speed, if not advanced, in pass pro. His pass blocking is really good. That's a strength. Pass blocking is a lot about technique, but at the end of the day, it's about toughness. And that's what I've been really impressed with Gabe. And Gabe's talented, but he's very physically tough. So he, he runs the ball hard between the tackles. He'll run through contact. And then he's not afraid to take on a linebacker coming off the edge. So that's a big quality that we look for in all our players is, is physical and mental toughness. Red zone, right? Nebraska in the red zone, five touchdown passes, 
that is it. And quite honestly, I can get my lawn chair out, sit in my front yard and scream in my best Clint Eastwood voice, stay off of my lawn. If push comes to shove, I'd rather you slam it down somebody's throat inside the five. Now, if you find a tight end wide open off play action, that's all good, too. Just get into the end zone if I'm a Nebraska fan, right? So where is the red zone at? Why why has there been shortcomings? And, you know, is Nebraska, can they fix red zone woes is the question. You know, the red zone in general is a point of emphasis. We're going to emphasize the heck out of it. That's when when you win or lose football games. Uh, and we want touchdowns, not field goals, obviously. Um, you know, part of being in the red zone, just like in the open field, is executing and not beating ourselves. You know, it seems like last year we had, whether it was a penalty, turnovers, inopportune times, that has nothing to do with our opponent. That's us. So the biggest thing, you know, executing, take care of ourselves. I mean, no penalties, protecting the football. Um, doing the right assignment. And what that does, that gets you into where you're ahead of the sticks, whether it's the Reds run of the field, where you can take more shots, you know, and throw the ball down the field more, uh, which has been a point of emphasis. You know, so uh, it's, it's a combination of things, but I think the red zone's a lot like the open field. Now, the red zone's harder. I mean, the defense has less space to, to cover, and so it really forces you to execute. And, and, and part of it's just, it's, it's a mindset saying, hey, you know, it's, I'm not going to have as much room. i got to win my one-on-one battle, whatever position I am. And, and, and competing, and because the defense, that's a, that's a big deal of defense, too. They want to stop you when they're in the red zone. Sean Becton weighed in on the red zone, and tight ends were a focal point of discussion today. Vokalek and, of course, Austin Allen, guys that uh, are big, that are vocal, that, listen, they can be nice weapons in the red zone, obviously with their size and ability. Tight ends a mismatch. Uh, here is... Uh, Sean Becton with those tight ends, specifically his position group, but just the the, the focus because Becton's been part of that discussion with Lubick, getting better production, better results with Nebraska scoring when they knock on the door there. Yeah, down in the red zone, Coach Lubick and myself have really, really put in a lot of time watching a lot of NFL tape. Um, obviously, we last year with the tight ends, we used them more than we've ever did. We're going to accelerate that a little bit more. Um, there's some packages coming that we are going to introduce probably the end of this week. Um, we have a base scheme, and that base scheme, what we're doing, is, is going to carry us throughout the entire year, and then we're going to have some wrinkles off of it. So when you get down in the red zone, obviously your bigger targets, we've got bigger receivers, and we got bigger tight ends. Obviously we want to get those guys the ball more and the thing about it down in the red zone, everything's closed, so ball placement is important. And that's where Asia Martinez and, and the quarterbacks, I tell those tight ends and the receivers, you're always open down there. Quarterback will give you the ball, and you just got to go make a play. So a lot of praise on Adrian we'll get into. Do we have time for one more thought here from Coach Lubick? Uh, let's get his take here on... Uh, how close the running game is. That's a big part of the red zone, too. You, you can throw. You can you can throw guys open. You can use size to your advantage. In Nebraska, Lord knows they'll have lots of wideouts and tight ends that are big-body matchup advantages. But something to be said about attitude and uh, bravado being able to run the football in. Like, like every part of football, we're, we're always in a state of constant improvement. We always think we can get better. Uh, we did some good things in the run game. I think we were actually second in the league in rushing. Uh, we got to be more consistent, just, just like we do in the passing game. 
but the the run game fits in with the passing game you know so the better you can throw the ball it helps out your run game and and it play the same thing with running the ball if we can run the ball really good we're going to get some some good looks from the defense to throw the ball and so we really want to be balanced and, and be able to do well at both but uh, you know not the run game and and the passing game just get better as an offense it's just the details and what i mean by details every position has their own specific things but it might be a, a step here it might be playing with lower pads here it might be keeping our hands inside as an offensive lineman so just really doing the details and um, you know as an offense last year run game pass game we did some things that had nothing to do with our opponent where we beat ourselves which is the exact opposite of details when we, we turn the ball over or we have a penalty. And so that, that's one of the biggest things that we're trying to clean at first is is the details as a whole offense of doing the right thing, doing our assignments, not turning the ball over, and, and, and reducing penalties. You know what? It's a familiar theme here. Did Nebraska beat Nebraska or did somebody beat Nebraska and kind of a 50-50 deal. Mike Babcock's next. Great to be with you on a Wednesday. Hail Varsity Radio presented by the Nebraska Lottery. And now. And now, back to Hail Varsity Radio. Thanks for hanging out. Welcome back to it. It's Hail Varsity presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal. We welcome in historian, author, Hall of Famer, and uh, you read him with Hale Varsity Magazine, HaleVarsity.com, all over fall football. Mike Babcock at MD Babs on Twitter. Babbers, what do you know? I don't. I know very little. I know very little. I know that there's a lot of optimism going into this football season, which is not unusual at this time of year. Uh, you know, today was it was almost like um, well, I'm going to just call it a keg of optimism. <laughs> right there's a glass there's a, there's a shot there's even a pitcher okay and now there's a keg of optimism and you know what G- give me a drink because this is cool i mean just the way the coaches were talking and we've heard from players you know it feels pretty real now you got to see it saturday against the illini yeah yeah you do i mean that's a, that's a huge game uh you got to have success against the Illini. But, you know, one of the things I, I was happy to hear was that Step is looking like he might be available. You know, there was a lot of talk about he wouldn't be because of the injury and so forth. But from what uh, Lubick said, uh, sounds like he's in the mix. Let's stay in the running backs. And I know we heard from Coach Lubick uh, last segment on, on the running back room. But, Mike, as you look at this room here and you know some of the skill sets, you know the recruiting rankings as well with a lot of these kids. Is there one guy you're, you're most intrigued about in that running back room? They want to find one dude and then have a compliment, clearly. Uh, but right now, five are working to, to, to be the guy. Yeah, well, I, I still think Step. Um, you know, again, if, he's, if he is healthy and he's able to go, I, I really think that uh, – his background um, puts him in a good position. I, you know, I was a little bit surprised. Morrison sounds like he's really stepping up. And, uh, you know, that's the good thing, I guess, is the competition, you know, and he identified five, five running backs in the competition. Now the important thing is can you narrow that thing down to a couple of running backs and by the time you get going into the season, you know, are you going to be able to rely on a couple of guys um, to get the job done, that's that's the thing that, uh, that you want to happen. But uh, they obviously have uh, the numbers 
right now competition. You know, it's 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 tough because you've got you've got good players there, and they all expect to have an opportunity to play, and there are going to be some guys that aren't going to be playing. Mike Babcock with us here on Hale Varsity Radio, and Mike, the, the discussion has been. They want to find one running back to, to really lead this offense, uh, a la Divine Zigbo, a la Diedrich Mills, uh, offenses that were really the feature back. I mean, you, you had Maurice Washington coming in and getting some snaps, and last year you had Marvin Scott coming in and getting some snaps. But do, do you really think that, I mean, with, with all the talent there is in that running back room, do you think it's a good idea to keep some of those guys off the field uh, and really just focus on, on your one back? I know it's better for the flow of the offense, but it might not be as good as development for some, some of the younger guys. Yeah, that's true, but I but I think that you do have to have identify somebody that you're going to rely on, and I think you have to have a, I, I think you have to have at least two guys um, that you can that you can work with there. But I, I think you have to identify somebody that's like he's our guy. You know, we're going to rely on him, and uh, we know that he can get the job done. And that you know, I think that's what they're doing. Um, and again, it's it's tough. And in this day with the transfer portal, you know, it's probably tough to keep a lot of guys happy because they're going to look and say, well, you know, I'm going to go somewhere else. But uh, that's just the nature of the game. I, You know, I really believe that uh, you've got to identify a guy that's your – is the number one guy and and, uh, and then a number two uh, that you can work in there if need be. Mike Babcock's with us, Hale Varsity Magazine, HaleVarsity.com, at MDBabs on Twitter. Babbers, uh, let's go to the tight end position and uh, what Nebraska has and Allen and Vokalik and some of the other young guys that are uh, on the uh, horizon here for Coach Becton's room. What, what's your ideal role for the Nebraska tight end in 2021? What do you want to see out of them? Well, I, you know... Guys that can catch the ball, obviously, but they've got to be able to block. That's the thing that uh, that is important, I think, in any kind of an offense with the tight ends. Nebraska's got, you know, there's two guys that got a lot of high praise too from Lubick. Mm-hmm. You know, he had uh, what three three guys at Oregon that that uh, made it to the NFL or whatever tight ends, and he said these are as good as anybody he's coached. So you know, that's that's a lot of that's high praise. For those two guys, and you know, I think that they've they've established the fact that uh, they want to be able to throw it to the tight end, you know, get them down the field. A guy like uh, Austin Allen for sure, um, but I, I think it's really important that they're able to block. You know, that's that's an important part of your offense, to my mind, and I'm probably speaking from the lens of the past, but um, that's what you know. That's where I think the tight ends need to fit in as well. You know, you, you look at the tight end opportunity in the red zone or up the seam for a big play or just being able to, to kind of wear out uh, that mismatch opportunity against a linebacker, safety, or smaller DB. You know, I think this offense is built for some 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 real, uh, well, some imaginative use, quite honestly, of, of the tight end. And uh, everyone wants uh, a room full. It sounds like Nebraska's got a couple Babbers, uh, to, the, to the tight end and the red zone topic that was touched on with, uh, of course, uh, Lubick and, and also with Coach Becton. You know, as you look back at Nebraska's red zone missteps or missed opportunities, do you feel confident that that truly does get cleaned up? Or, again, is it wait and see for you? Well, I think, you know, I, no, I think it's obviously a focus, you know, and, and I think Lubick said uh, – you know we can't uh, we can't settle for field goals. You know we got to get touchdowns or whatever. 
Um, yeah, I think it's a focus. I think it's a focus. I think they'll. I think they'll make an improvement there. I think that's important. And you know, again, the same thing it applies all all along the field. Um, you can't make mistakes, and you can't turn the ball over. You know, um, you've got to control the things you can control, and if you can do that, I think you can be successful in the red zone. Are you? What's your reaction to some practice or scheduling tweaks? Where Nebraska is starting uh, the practice off with with special teams, and then they're going earlier with red zone. That's that's different. At least it sounds different from some of the assistants that have spoken uh, to to where things are are at in order of your regular practice script. Important points of emphasis, you know, special teams. We've talked about that before. Is you've got to improve on special teams. You've got to improve on special teams. So I think they've got it up front. You know they're working on it. That's that's important. Um, and uh, same thing with the red zone. That's important. So you got to work on it. This is a time where you're going to have an opportunity to do that. And uh, you have to feel like, well, they you know they've done a pretty good job already of getting the offense installed and getting the defense where they want it. But you're going to start with the you're going to start with the areas where you have uh, where you have concerns. Mike Babcock with us here on Hale Varsity Radio. And Mike, you mentioned at the top of the interview that we've been feeling a lot of excitement since fall camp has been started, but that is, you know, kind of typical. Uh, when you listen to what the coaches and players are saying out of fall camp, do you think this year what they're saying feels any different than the past three years, or is this just another year, another, you know, chance to chance to do something, and that's why the, uh, the excitement's coming from? Well, you know, I, I hope it's not just another year. I mean, I, I hope that there's substance behind the, the optimism. And, you know, I don't see why there can't be um, because, again, you're, you know, you've got guys that have been in the system. Uh, you've got an offensive line with some experience. You've got a defensive experience. Um, there, are re- there are easy reasons to look at. You've got a quarterback that apparently, you know, he's getting a lot of praise for what, how he looks. Um, but we know he has talent. Um, we know he has the ability if he can cut down on the stakes. So um, I think there's a reason for optimism. But again, you've got to you've got to show it, and and you'll show it starting with the Illinois game, which is a critical game uh, for Nebraska. You got to win that game. Babbers, if you're uh, putting a game plan together, so you get a phone call from Scott Frost, all right, as you're putting the the uh, the eyes getting dotted, the T's getting crossed. You know what's what's the the Mike Babcock game plan against Illinois? I mean, what would you what would you go try and lean on uh, as we move towards that first week? Lean on the run, establish the run, get the run going, and then when they when they're looking at the run, hit them with a pass. I mean, but but get the running game going first. Establish that. Establish control of the line of scrimmage, and if you can do that, and you can establish a running game, that opens up a lot of things for Adrian Martinez to do. You know, and and I don't want him to be the leading rusher, um, and I don't want him to be the focus of it. But he, you know, we know he can duck the ball and run if he needs to. Um, and it sounds like he's got a group of receivers, and they're pretty big guys uh, for the most part. Um, just opens up everything, I think, uh, if you can get that running game going and establish control of the line of scrimmage. Why do you think it's been so tight against Illinois? It wasn't tight last year, but you know what I'm saying. Why have they won or, or made it uh, sweat-worthy for Nebraska fans? Well, yeah, that, that, that's a good question. I, You know, I don't know... I, Maybe a commitment to to something that Nebraska had, you know, 
Nebraska's had that situation where the quarterback has been a leading rusher, and you know you're you're trying to do things that uh, you know I don't think you can consistently do. Um, and you got to credit Illinois to some extent, but but I, again, I think Nebraska is in a much better position this season with an experienced offensive line and some confidence in that offensive line, and maybe uh, a couple of guys that can rotate into that offensive line. So it's not just uh, five interior linemen; it's maybe seven, eight. Yeah, there's there's options there. There's depth there. Babbers, what are you working on here as uh, we uh, close out the week? Getting ready for the next issue of the magazine, so we're working on a legend story on uh, uh, former Husker volleyball player Bridget Root Petapier. Uh, mm-hmm. All right, so you're you're checking out volleyball. The next mags getting ready to be uh, put to bed and put to press. That'll be good. And uh, more uh, coverage of practice, of course. Uh, Mike Babcock with Hale Varsity, historian, author, Hall of Famer. Follow Babbers on Twitter at mdbabs. Uh, on uh, your social media. Mike, thanks for jumping on today. Awesome to chat, bud. Hey, great talking to you guys. Thanks for having me. All right, appreciate you. Good uh, good stuff. And I always like giving Mike the option of putting a play sheet together. He's like, lean on the run. Lean on the run. A lot of us are nodding our head. Yeah, I believe that could be paraphrased as uh, run the damn run the ball. Damn ball. <laughs> and uh, Husker fans, a lot of them feeling the same way. I'm feeling the same way this year. Whenever I'm looking at what Nebraska's got at offensive line, um, just the the full stable of running backs, especially after how did you guys last do year. much? You guys didn't ever do much with passing the ball in the red zone in high school. Yeah, we. Eh, I mean, it's not, that, it's not that you weren't creative or imaginative, but you had good backs that ran behind you. Oh, oh, oh the, the the first option was always run the ball. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if we're in the red zone, because you could. Yeah, we're we're, we're going to run the ball. We had Bryson Williams on our offensive line. We had me on my off on our offensive well, line. Of course, we're of the course, ball. we're going to run behind that right side. Left. No, I, I said we're going to run behind that right side. Oh, come on now. <laughs> that isn't nice. Elijah's going to turn my mic off. We'll uh, step in with uh, Mike Shue, Art Wilderness Ridge Golf on the way. And we're back. Fellas, you think we could listen to the radio? On Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Yes! That's awesome! You know, I have missed talking golf and all things sports with Mike Shuart, Wilderness Ridge Golf. We say hi to Shuey. Has it been a month? How are you? I'm good. It's been a while. Media days, vacation, sort of, kind of, just... Dude, tell me about them Divid Dogs. We had a really good season. We had a great season. So we uh, we won our division. We went undefeated. So so they had a fantastic season. Beat everybody that we faced. And then we went to the All-Stars, and we uh, placed third in All-Stars. And they take the top two teams. We missed going to the, to the regionals by two shots. So all in all, they did really well. Hey, congratulations, uh, man. And I know you've, you've loved uh, teaching, instructing, and, and then always working with the kids, bud. That's yeah, fun. I enjoy it a lot. So have you been keeping an eye on the Olympic uh, world of golf? Uh, yeah, I watch it when I can. So what do you think? You proud of the old USA? Oh, yeah, they played really well. You know, you had a... You had a gold medal winner and then you had another american right there with a chance to you know win the bronze so you know rory went crazy that last day shooting 61 that's pretty incredible so good for him he deserved the the silver 
should we? Well, Oh, sorry, I was just going to say, well, what are your thoughts on uh, on golf in the middle of the night? I know we've had some, like, uh, the Open, that's getting teed off, like, 2, 3 a.m., but it's a little different whenever the tee time starts at 8 p.m. and, and goes until 2 a.m. Um, I personally loved it, but that's because I'm young and I stay up late. Like, uh, what, what, what say you? Is, is that a, 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 a formula for success for golf, to these afternoon, late evenings into the middle of the night golf tournaments? Oh, I think there's something to it. I mean, you got more people at home being able to watch, you know. So you have broadcasts in the middle of the day. Not everybody can watch it, you know. I'm the same as you. I mean, I don't get to watch it during the day. Too busy doing other stuff. So at night when I'm hanging out, you know, with not a lot to do. I mean, it's fun to watch golf when I normally don't get to watch it like that. So. Uh, I don't know. It'll be interesting to see. I don't, I don't see it being able to sustain. You know, it's, it's a Saturday, Sunday when it's exciting anyway, and people are home Saturday, Sunday watching golf. Now, Shui, how do you think that's going to affect uh, the guys in the PGA Tour this weekend? I mean, 20-hour flight to Japan, uh, like a 12- to 14-hour time difference, uh, and now they got to turn around and play another tournament back on U.S. time this weekend. Uh, I mean, golfers aren't robots. Are you expecting that to, uh, to have a, a big effect on the field this week? No question. I mean, you won't. I would be very surprised if any of those guys really played all that well. You know, they might play some good rounds, but then... You know, playing for your country in the Olympics, that takes a lot out of you just physically and mentally. And then the grueling flight, time change, all that stuff like that, you know. And then trying to get back up and sustain that for another four rounds is, that's asking a lot, you know, more mentally and physically. I mean, both. I mean, you get wore out. You're playing against the best players in the world. So it's like you don't want to give them, and you can't give them an advantage of any kind. They're too good. Shuey, would you have walked into a TPC Southwind with the gold medal on had you taken gold? <laughs> so that's a good question. Uh, might have. I've been pretty cool. I mean, I, I mean, everybody is super excited. Anytime you play for your country and you represent your country and you have success, it's 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 hard to explain. It's so different. I, I did it on a, a smaller scale. So we have what's called the PGA Cup matches with so the golf professionals around the country. Uh, so it's the Ryder Cup version for golf professionals. So I played in uh, Dublin, Ireland at the K Club where they played the Ryder Cup a few years back. So I represented the U.S. in that. And it was, to this day, without a doubt, the best golfing experience of my life. And I've, you know, I've played in, I've played all over the world. And that by far is the best. It's just something different about representing your country and, playing for your country and what it means. I mean, it's, it's an incredible feeling. Were you long? You're, you're always super intense, man, and are intense in a good way. And were you ultra locked in? Is that the most locked in you'd ever been in a tournament? Uh, probably. No question about it. You know, you're, you're playing with a partner. You know, it's just like the Ryder Cup. You're mm-hmm. playing with a partner and then you're playing individual matches and it's, you know, you're playing for your country, you're playing for your partner, you're, you just it's hard not to get locked in. You know, it's super exciting. Joey, let's get to Nebraska football, bud. You're a big Red fan and a lot of optimism today with a chance to watch uh, some of the practice and hearing good things. You want to see good things Saturday against the Illini. Uh, we'll take your temperature here as we get closer to kickoff. 
But right now, how you feeling uh, on the season here? You excited? You getting juiced up? Or are you still, uh, or or are you not still? But are are you kind of wait and see? I have a wait and see now. I used to get all amped up, read into all that stuff, get super excited about all the reports that come out about this and the young guys and the strength and the strength of the team, and then get massively disappointed. So I'm I'm going on the other end. Just like show me something before I believe anything. Yeah, but what if I tell you about you know the running back options or the tight ends in the red zone or what about how good Adrian's looking, Chewy? Yeah, and then he then he puts it on the turf and throws it to a guy that it's like what was that throw? And they turn it over six times, and the offensive lineman can't even freaking know the snap count. So it's like, show me something. Show me a well coached team. I don't care how much talent you have. Show me a well coached team. I haven't seen one yet. Should we, if, if I were to, to give you a glass of water that was about, oh, I don't know, um, halfway full, would you call that half empty or, or, or half full? Like, what, Let's say you here. Depends on what I'm talking about. <laughs> Nebraska football, that's freaking half empty. Oh, man. <laughs> Shuey, I'm just going to take you with me to Illinois. <laughs> All right. We'll be on the road uh, Friday, Saturday for, for the opener, right? Week zero. And it's crazy how fast that's coming. Oh, it is. But I'll, I'll get you a red sweatshirt. All right. <laughs> I'll wear it. And I, I know, I know you'll wear it. And we'll just, we'll just get you pumped up a little bit. It's okay to be <laughs> optimistic Wednesday, baby. <laughs> Show me something. Play, do some play serious on your on your car ride home today or something. Just like <laughs> there's got to be something that gets you a little bit amped up for this season. <laughs> uh, he is he has turned into Red Sox Cub fan. Uh, I mean, he's, he's <laughs> poor Shuey. Well, give you a hug, Shuey. Well, what's uh, what's happening at Wilderness here? Got about forty seconds or so, Shuey. Membership opportunities, of course. The Aquatic Center is going to be phenomenal. And uh, fall golf is just incredible as well. Tell uh, tell folks about the, the wilderness experience. Yeah, it's it's pretty cool. Things are starting to take shape. They they got a lot of our pool project. They got most of it dug out, so you can kind of see what it's going to be. You're getting ready to start pouring cement and things like that. Our new academy pro shop that's going to be open probably in the next oh probably thirty days oh, somewhere cool. in there. So it's I mean, it's really exciting because you're starting to see things actually take shape and what they are, and each day gets a little closer. So, super exciting. Mike Shuey. Can't wait. Can't wait. Wilderness Ridge Golf. Shuey, you're awesome, bud. Uh, good to get caught up with you. We'll do it again next week. Can't wait to chat. And uh, we'll hit some more golf and some more football, bud. You take care. Thanks again. All right. Go Big Red. There he is. Shuey, see? That, that beer's turning into half full. Uh, we'll wind down hour one. Bill Bender, Sporting News on the way. And now. And now, back to Hale Varsity Radio. Pretty good coverage today on Omar Manning and Xavier Betts. We'll get to in a moment. Reminder about moving. Uh, maybe that time to sell is now, or you need help looking to, to find the the ride home. You're making a jump from West Blue Realty there for you. They specialize in residential home sales in Lincoln and the surrounding communities. 
And uh, for a limited time, you mentioned Hale Varsity, West Blue Realty, provide you up to $1,000 on the closing of your next home pur- purchase. Two names to know, two names to, to rely on, Tom Luby and Kelly Hofschneider. Give Tom a shout at 402-540-3768 or give Kelly a call, Kelly Hofschneider at 402-202-2312. It pays to work with West Blue, westbluerealty.com. And go uh, make an appointment today. Go visit West Blue Realty uh, when you're in Lincoln or if you're in Lincoln, 1120 K Street, Suite 200. So, Elijah, the names we, we know at Receiver... Uh, Samare Toure, of course, uh, Omar Manning, and the guy that, that's really tried to make a jump from a spring he wasn't happy with is uh, Xavier Betts, put the work in this summer, and a guy that really can't be an afterthought. But, you know, listening to Coach Lubick earlier today, they've got a good rotation of six, and they really like where some of the young guys are at. And Betts can be a big-time difference maker for the offense more from from uh, Xavier earlier today. Oh, we're definitely going to surprise a ton of people. With, with the amount of speed and the depth that we have in our room and the amount of guys that want to play and are learning to play, it's going to be awesome. It's, we're going to surprise at least everybody. So you have Betts right there who's thick in it. And you're okay to, to sleep on the Nebraska-wide receiving core just based what it's been, based on what it's been since since eighteen to to now, and I'm not a big uh, HGTV guy, but sometimes I lose the the uh, the wrestling match and the remote does not go my way. So the wife will have on those home remodels or let's flip it or buy it or sell it, whatever the hell it's called. Anywho, hey, House Hunters is a solid show. I like the House Hunters Caribbean. Okay, yeah, yeah I want to yeah. be I want to be that guy that's yeah. I don't like doing these, a show these from people a beach. looking at average houses in like <laughs> Illinois. Like I don't yeah. care. Well, eight hundred thousand dollars for a story and a half in downtown Chicago. Yeah. Right? <laughs> like show me the people you're, that are like dropping two to, million on a house in Paris. Please, you're gonna need to <laughs> gut the basement. There's black mold in the attic. No, I get you. I totally get you. But hey, I, I like his optimism and. Brother, the think about where the offense can go if the if the wideouts are as good as advertised. If their skill matches up their, you know, their their off the bus uh, profile and off the bus, you look at the Nebraska receiving core and you're like, wow, big dudes, fast dudes, tall guys, and and bets. Listen, just and, and it came from peers kind of challenging him to step up and know the playbook and not always having to a ask what I'm supposed to do. Really, it's maturity and commitment, right? That's that's what it is. As you get older, you grow older as part of a, a team. And it, it took guys going to bed saying, look, man, let's let's get it let's get it right. Let's get it on the same page. And and summer was big for him and that's translated over to this fall camp. And you saw little cups of coffee, but there's like X number of plays he could run last fall, because that's all he knew. Now it's uh, it's wide open for Bill Bender uh, realignment Nebraska's brand and uh, of course the big uh, Big Ten race in the West. 
Welcome to Hale Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Insight, opinion, expertise, with the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at Hale Varsity and at Schmitz underscore radio. Call in at 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865. Here's Chris Schmitz. Back with you, it's Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery College Football Time. Bill Bender, the sporting news with us. Talk some Big Ten, some national, uh, some big picture uh, things as well. And can find Bill on Twitter at BillBender92. Bill, how's, uh, how's your week been? Uh, a lot of moving and shaking here since media days. Thanks for the time. Yeah, I think I, I missed you at media days. If you were there, I was trying to run you down. I didn't see you. Well, I was on Radio Row, and, and you were just crushing it at, at the podium. And I was, <laughs> I was, uh, I was running the round. I had a couple of, I had a morning show and an afternoon show, and I was hoping to grab you. And I saw just a wonderful screenshot of you on Twitter asking questions, all thoughtful. It was wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> No, I do well. And, hey, you know, since we've been there, a lot of things have changed. Imagine how much could change in a week. You know, oh, know. we went from <laughs> worrying about media day and, the you know, the quotes that come with that to the college football world just continually being shaken up by these uh, alignments and conferences and all that kind of stuff. You're, you're right on. I want to get your take on uh, reaction, fallout, uh, thoughts on, on Peacock and Notre Dame. We know they've had the NBC deal, and they've had that for forever. And I know currently it's about $15 million, but for the Irish to do their opener streaming only, this is a, a wonderful uh, trial balloon here for the rest of college football, not to mention Notre Dame. What's your, uh, what's your takeaway here with, with uh, Notre Dame, not only streaming-wise, but also... What what home do you think they either find or stay in here, if you can predict the future? That's a glimpse to the future, isn't it? With yeah. Streaming and everything that comes with that and the, the big money that comes from streaming. So, yeah, I think that's going to happen. Um, uh, streaming rights will be the next way, round of TV rights, and that may influence some of the moves that are being made. Um, you know, I still think Notre Dame is going to cling to its independence as long as it can but there's no guarantee that that lasts forever don't disagree with you do you see do you think the acc is their long-term home or are they just listening well i mean the the tv contracts there that's part of it right that mm-hmm. they right now they're obligated until i think it's like 2035 to join the acc um and that makes sense if they were to join a football conference the acc could put them in and you know, maybe go grab West Virginia and get to 16 that way. I know there's a lot of talk about what what the Big Ten can and can't do or should or should not do in terms of this next wave of realignment. And I think they're in a tough spot because the easiest move is to add Kansas and Iowa State, but that's not necessarily a move that excites too many people in Big Ten country, especially here where I'm at in Columbus. Mm-hmm. You know, I think you're right on, and you don't you don't add just for the sake of adding. Ideally, you go if you're the Big Ten. If you're going to make a move, all right, let's let's match blue blood for blue blood, and go get Notre Dame and USC. And I know USC would have some some other uh, alternatives here with the Pac-12, and maybe you raid the Pac-12. And I want to kind of get your take on on Nebraska 
from a brand standing. If God forbid Ohio State, Michigan, Penn State get a get a phone call from the SEC or whoever uh, is the next big conglomerate to go super conference, you know, a do you think the Big Ten as a whole is safe? B Nebraska's brand value, despite what they haven't been on the field. Is it strong enough to still get invited to the cool kids party? I think so, and I think that's where it just depends on how many Big Ten schools would go to that. So, you know, when we did all those exercises, if there was a Super League with 20 to 24 schools, right, that would be considered the first class, power five, these are it, want them on TV, I think Nebraska still generates enough revenue to do that. Um, Ten brands that would probably be there would be, well, Ohio State, obviously, yep. Michigan, Penn State, Nebraska, and then I think Wisconsin and Iowa. Those are the six brands that would probably go to the cool kids table, like you said. And for Wisconsin, Iowa, and Nebraska, it might be close, I mean, depending on what they're looking at, but I think Nebraska still has enough name recognition, brand value, all those kind of things to be able to make that league. Bill Bender's with us, College Football Insider, Sporting News at Bill Bender 92 on Twitter's where you find him. So let's talk Nebraska for a second. And what were your takeaways as a national guy on Nebraska? Nebraska wasn't the topic of conversation. A lot of commentary and questions about year four for Frost, but focus is Ohio State, obviously, and some of the other uh, the favorites in the league. But what do you think of Nebraska's time in Indy and as we are three weeks from kickoff? You know, I think it's one of those deals where um, I, the, with Scott Frost and Trev Alberts, you have some unity. I wrote about that last week. It's so important to have that shared vision. And these guys obviously know a lot about the 90s, but Trev is pretty upfront in saying nobody cares about the 90s now. we got to care about you know Nebraska's future and, and be an innovator in those kind of things. And But... They, they came off as pretty impressive together. Um, now, obviously, impressive on the podium versus what they got to do on the field. Uh, Frost was very upfront about the fact that they were picked, I think it was fifth and fourth or fifth in the division, and he said that's where we're supposed to be, and they've got to prove that they can work up that. And the other thing he said that made sense, Chris, was they've had close games with Northwestern, uh, Iowa, and Wisconsin. Now they got to start winning them. No, they, they do, and uh, the, the detail part of things is what <laughs> Nebraska's been working on between red zone and special teams, and you know the turnover story as well as I do with Nebraska and a lot of these one-score games. You know, best-case scenario, in your opinion, for Nebraska with 2021 where they finish in the West, and, and, and worst-case scenario? Worst-case scenario is they finish in that 5-7-4-8 range, miss a bowl game, and people wonder, is this ever going to work? Best case, I think, it's a tough not, tough schedule overall, as usual. If they could squeak into third or second and compete, in a, be in a position in November to win the Big Ten West, that would be the best case scenario. Not saying they would win it, but be in a position where, you know, they, they can make a run and they compete with Minnesota, too, another school that, there's some people thinking start, they're starting to get that sleeper look. You know what I mean? Like a lot of people are starting to look at them now and say this team could win the Big Ten West. But, well, the Gophers open with Ohio State. Yeah, you, uh, you have that opener, Nebraska, Illinois. We're uh, counting down to kickoff for that because we'll be on the road for it. And 
Do you think that's a, a dangerous game for Nebraska, or are you in the camp where Nebraska should go handle business? I mean, and the reason I ask is I think Lovey put together good lines of scrimmage, and I know Brett knows how to win in the Big Ten with good lines of scrimmage. Yeah, and he it's a project there. I mean, they've got to recruit better as well, and that's where he has experience with seemingly just about every school in the Big Ten West. So I think that was a good hire for them. He's very matter-of-fact, and uh, they're going to have to build that part of it. I mean, they're, Illinois in the last five seasons, they've had some talent on the defensive side ball, all the ball, too. Mm-hmm. It was just a matter of closing and finding that consistency on both sides. So I, I think he was a good hire, and he'll do a pretty good job. To Nebraska, your biggest question mark about the the Huskers is is what? Is it offense? Is it defensive side of the ball? Is it finishing? Where are you at with with them as a whole as you look at them? Well, when they, you hear the players tell the players will just tell you that answer. They were talking about discipline, you know, not committing penalties in the in the key moments, you know, maintaining composure. Big year for Martinez, who seemingly has been there forever. You know, I read you know, looking all right in camp. So I think those are the things to watch for. Do they have it up front? And he knew that when he came in. Scott knew that when he came in, that they would have to get better up front to compete with Wisconsin and Iowa, and that's what you always kind of watch first when you watch Nebraska. Let's go to the East. Ohio State, the favorite to win the East and the whole thing. What's the gap between second and third? Obviously, there's a gap between Ohio State and everybody else, but second and third and, and, and even maybe uh, fourth overall in the league. How do you see that kind of uh, – what's the pecking order there? Well, it's a clump of three behind Ohio State. I think, you know, you, people like to make the argument that Indiana could challenge them. But I've been telling people I like Indiana too. I like their defense. I like what they're bringing back. But they've got a tough schedule, man. They play uh, – Iowa off the go, Cincinnati, they visit Penn State, and then I think it's just Penn State and Michigan. Both had disastrous years last year in the COVID year. Um, you can give them a little bit of a pardon for that, but it's on one of those two schools to really step up. Penn State's probably the better bet to do it, but um, I almost think Michigan's been mocked so much that uh, it might be a little undervalued. I hate to say it. I think you're right, and you know the thing that, that Michigan's not had – and it's weird because I was in the camp that said Harbaugh is going to be able to find a quarterback and recreate Stanford, right? Well, Andrew Luck doesn't come along ever, let alone every year. Do you think things are settling down to find a guy that can, A, not transfer out, but, but settle in and, and run the offense? I mean, some of their best years have been either grad transfer quarterbacks or something along those lines. They've not ever recruited and developed one yet. They really like Cade McNamara, though, and that could be interesting to see if he's really that guy. I know he played well when he uh, stepped in last year and then he got injured. Um, so, And then that's, it's, the thing there is they're wondering how long they can hold back a guy like J.J. McCarthy, a guy that uh, five-star quarterback, that's the one, right? That, and they've had five-star quarterbacks since he's arrived, but you know, each time it's like, okay, well, is this, this the guy that's actually going to do it? So. All to your point, I mean, I think it starts with that defense, and and if they can be better on that side of the ball, they were pretty bad last year, and Don Brown's defense expired. And then if they get the right quarterback in there to kind of keep it rolling. Give me your sleeper out of the east. Give me your sleeper out of the west. Uh, Sleeper in the east, I mean, it's hard. I I, I, kind of think it's Michigan just because of all the reasons I outlined. Mm -hmm. I don't 
know that Rutgers – Maryland could be interesting, though. Maryland could be that team that maybe pulls an upset in there with that offensive talent that uh, Mike Loxley has. So, but I don't think they're going to win the division. Uh, in the West, I think the sleepers probably Northwestern as usual, right? I mean, I've spent a lot of time – I've spent a lot of time this off the division champions, the sleeper. Um, I've spent so much time talking about Wisconsin coming back and Iowa and their experience in Nebraska and Minnesota, all these teams with quarterbacks. I mean, Northwestern found a formula that works there, and I think it's going to continue. Nebraska's schedule you outlined is super difficult. Is, is there a barometer game for you? Is it Illinois? Is it Sparty after the Oklahoma game? Is it OU, or is it somewhere – buried in the rest of October or November for this team? Uh, I think just Oklahoma, you kind of find out where you're at, right? And they've done that with Ohio State. They've generated excitement for that game in past seasons and then never really picked up the pieces after it happened. So I think that's one of those games to keep a real close watch on. It's not necessarily saying they got to go out and beat Oklahoma, but when you see kind of the gold standard of what they've become um, – be to see how they compete with the Sooners. Bill, get you out of here on this. Bill Bender, Sporting News, College Football, the Tail Varsity Radio, and follow Bill on Twitter at BillBender92. How did you celebrate or, or have you the return of Aaron Rodgers to Green Bay? Uh, oh, we bought Super Bowl rings, didn't we? No, um, <laughs> no uh, I'm very excited. It's, it's, you know, we've talked a lot about him in the offseason. I don't know if your listeners know, but yeah, I'm a huge Green Bay fan. and very excited to see what they can do. Um, you know, as I said after his press conference, though, um, he torched the organization pretty good and let out all the grievances. I don't think they're going to let him do that again next year. So there's a lot on the line in Green Bay and definitely look forward to the season. Got tickets to the October game in Cincinnati, so we'll look forward to going down there. Look at you. So you're going to go check out. Uh, hmm. uh, and you're close with the Burroughs and, and Zach Taylor and, and the <laughs> Bengals, and that's kind of your neck of the woods along with Obviously, growing up, loving Green Bay and Favre, and wow. So that that's a roadie. When is that game? October 10th. So uh, we're already looking forward to that. I can't believe tomorrow night we got football with the Steelers and Cowboys. It'll be a lot of fun. That'll be good. Bill Bender with us, Sporting News. Bill, thanks so much for the time. Always great to talk ball with you. Hey, no problem, Chris. Thanks for having me. Bill Bender, Sporting News, at BillBender92 on Twitter. Love uh, spending time with him and hear him on Feinbaum and a lot of national shows, but can always talk some big time. We were just both crazy busy at media days. Otherwise, he would have sat down for the old StreamYard video chat. We will do that someday. So we, we talked about realignment. We talked about brand value. You saw tweets this week and late last week about where Nebraska's brand is worth. And that's, that's and, and Bill nailed it. The next round of, of money to be made is through what you do streaming. Okay. And you look at Peacock and Notre Dame, I mean, that's that's the pool you're getting into now. We talked a little bit about, you know, the, the, the Kansas team and the Big A, the Big 12, and, and then the remnants of the of the Big 12. A couple of tweets that came in from, from yesterday's show and podcast from Mike. Mike's out of Texas with all these Big 10 fans bashing Kansas to the Big 10. Realized that, that only a small handful of Big 10 teams finished the final AP poll in the uh, top 10 in the past 10 years. Uh, make that past t- 10 to, 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 to 15 years. The past 15 years, since 07, Ohio State's been there. Michigan State's been twice. 
Wisconsin twice, Penn State twice, Iowa once, Kansas once. Yeah, 07 was special. It's an awesome season for KU. Uh, Austin uh, tweets in selfishly as a Husker fan living 20 minutes from Lawrence. I want KU to the Big Ten. That's fair. Uh, That's fair. I get that one. No, totally get that. And then there's this. Uh, Bowlesby said the Big 12's TV deal is $250 million a year. 50, 50% of that's to Texas and OU. That means uh, it's about half. The other schools make about half of what the Big 10 currently makes. Derek Peterson's next. And we're back. Fellas, think we could listen to the radio? On Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Yes! That's awesome! Halfway through a Wednesday, Hail Varsity, presented by the Nebraska Lottery, Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal. We welcome in the good doctor from the Windy City, our Chicago correspondent. Him and Danny Burke got to go have some deep dish. We welcome in Derek Peterson and Dr. PDHV on Twitter. He'll still do columns. He'll still have awesome takes. And he'll do the Varsity Club podcast. Dr. Petey, are you at the, uh, the top of what used to be called the Sears Tower making this interview happen? <laughs> no, I'm about uh, 30 yards away from my apartment building. I'm in my car, and I have my wife's cell phone uh, just in case uh, so we don't have to deal with the technical snafus that we had yesterday. I tried to FaceTime with my parents a week ago uh-huh. to show them kind of, kind of the new digs, and video wouldn't work. And it was basically just like 15 minutes of, hello, hello, can you hear me? Hello, back and forth before we decided, all right, let's just text. And then we hung up on each other. Well, the effort was there, my friend. A uh, lot of effort with uh, the the optimism today. Open practice, a lot of praise about Adrian. I want to get your take and get your insight because you're kind of my go-to guy on Sivion Morrison. He's a guy you profiled uh, exquisitely well with the yearbook and the recruiting issue. He's from Oklahoma. You know, talk to me about Morrison's skill set as you've seen him. And then just kind of your takeaways here with the running back race and and what type of dent you think Morrison can make. Um, I, I think he can. I think he can factor into the competition. I mean, I've said um, since last season ended that I think he could be a dark horse guy um, and push for a role this season. I just think he's a really talented back. Um, he's, you know, when he signed, he was a, a big, a, a bigger kid and more of a, a complete uh, back as Frost referred to him. Mm-hmm. Um, he's got a, he's got a running style that was sort of uh, likened when he was in high school I mean, he was coming out of Oklahoma, obviously. So there, there was, probably part of that at play, but he was likened to Adrian Peterson a little bit, just in, in uh, the way that he can kind of be a little herky-jerky, and he obviously wears the number 28, um, mm-hmm. so when he's running down the sideline, you kind of get images of that for an Oklahoma kid, but, I, you know, I just think um, one of the things, he obviously had COVID stuff last year, um, and some things that kind of set him back a little bit his first year, and then in the spring, it seemed like Ryan Held just wanted him to, to be in a little bit better shape, um, I was looking through the photo gallery at HaleVarsity.com earlier today and just kind of um, reading what, what other people have, have written about today and, and just kind of it, it, maybe it looks like he's in, you know, just a little bit better shape. He looks a little trimmer. Um, I don't know if that was just the camera angle or what, but, you know, if he's working with the ones and the twos, I, I think, you know, I think they're going to, I think that's going to be um, 
something not to get too carried away with um, as we work our way through fall camp, just because they have, uh, excuse me, six, I think six scholarship running backs. Mm-hmm. Um, five of them have freshman eligibility. Like, I think there's going to be, um, particularly early on, I think they're just going to try to cycle through a bunch of guys and see what those guys do with those opportunities. And then, um, you know, Scott Frost said uh, at the outset of camp that he wants to make some depth chart uh, decisions a little earlier. Um, so maybe they'll start to get whittled down in a, in a couple of weeks. But I think they're going to try to give as many guys as possible an opportunity to sort of take that job and run with it. Because I think, you know, you can kind of go one of two ways when you look at a room that, that doesn't have an established guy. You can say, oh, well, there's nobody that is really sort of taking this job. Or you can say, well, they've just got a lot of talented people in the room that's making the competition difficult. I tend to lean more towards the latter. I, I think Ryan Held has done a really good job putting this room together. I think they've got um, four or five backs that I could see starting season opener and, and being sort of the featured guy um, all throughout the year. One of the guys that I didn't read a ton about today or hear a ton about today was uh, Gabe Urban, who was a guy that we, you know, obviously heard a ton about in the spring. So I think, you know, I, I'm a fan of, of Savion. Um, I, I'm kind of, on that fan club, I think he's got a chance to, to have a role this season. Um, but I also think that there's probably going to be, you know, we're probably going to hear a different name each week, at least early on, as they try to kind of figure out, like, okay, who's who's going to show some consistency with this thing and who's going to make the, the most of, of the opportunities we give them in practice. Uh, Derek, uh, before I follow up with the running backs, I think I need to ask a question on behalf of Mark Cranach. Um You said you were looking through the, the Hale Varsity photo galleries from today. Did you notice anyone's calves sticking out oh, in particular? Oh, no. We're, we're going to go with, 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 with calf girth and width today. But, but, Derek, what? Was there just anyone, oh, anyone on the This roster? goes back to the spring game or the spring open practice, and Cranach wanted like picks of, of Omar Manning's calves. <laughs> okay, you're gonna need to you're gonna need to smack Cranach on the back of the head next time you see him plumbing. We're uh, not we're, we're not talking about calf girth. <laughs> no, I thank you, God. Thank you. No, but he he was texting me just like dude and, and he was joking because he, he I've known Cranach a lot of years and he's a sick monkey, but he's not that sick a monkey. So <laughs> So no, no. You just took will, this sideways on my You I are a socialist. I'll look at the cabs next time there's a gallery. I'll look at the cabs next time there's a gallery. And, and maybe maybe one of my, my my next columns before the season gets started is, is the definitive ranking of Nebraska football player calves. Yes. Oh, yes. We need a, we need a mullet day, a calf day. Right, and we'll just stop there. Derek, Derek let's get back into the let's running talk backs. football, yeah. please. Um, when you look at this this loaded running back room, you were saying how you think there's going to be a, a new name we're hearing about every single week. Do you expect that we're going to get a starter announced before uh, we actually take the field against Illinois, or do you think this is going to be something where it's going to be a, a little bit of a surprise to see who's marching out there with the, with the first team come the first series against Illinois? Um, that's a good question. Frost has... has uh, Played it a little close to the vest throughout his his tenure here. Um, he's been a little cagey with the depth chart throughout his tenure here. So uh, maybe you know Tennessee would would probably say that he's going to do that again. But I think you know like him pointing out at, at the intro press conference that um, I guess the, the fall camp kickoff press conference, whatever you want to call it, him pointing out that he kind of wants to make those decisions at least in house. He wants to make those decisions earlier so that they can get guys. Um, 
you know, building some chemistry and building a rapport within the units they're going to be uh, working with. Yeah, I, I think, you know, I, I like, personally, I like a workhorse running back. I like you have one guy, and then when that guy needs a blow, you put the backup in. I don't like by committee. Um, I think sometimes it can work, but I think more often than not, you need to have one guy, and, and those guys typically prefer that you have one guy and then a, and then a backup. Um, I think that that's the way that they want to go with this room. I mean, Frost has said publicly he doesn't want to do it by committee. Um, I, I think, you know, this probably doesn't answer your question. I think privately they will have a starter um, probably. I, I think they'll have a starter. I think they hope to have a starter going into – like Illinois week going into that week of prep. I think they'll hope to have that guy figured out at least privately. Now, maybe he might not announce it because, you know, that's just sort of Frost's um, MO. He likes to keep some of those, those personal things close to the vest. It's gamesmanship. Everybody does it. But I, I think, I, I think they, that their hope is that they can have a guy sort of figured out at that position more than just, you know, you're making a, a call the night before the game. Derek Peterson's with us, uh, HailVarsity.com and Magazine, and uh, the Varsity Club podcast. Derek, a thought on the red zone. That's kind of been a point of emphasis. Uh, Coach Becton hit on it, Lubick hit on it, and it's not been great touchdown pass-wise or just scoring in general percentage-wise. It can be better uh, when it comes to point totals. Do you have a theory why? Why do you think Nebraska has been off in the red zone for for a while? What's your take on it? Well, well they haven't had a running back. They felt comfortable for whatever reason. I mean, we, we looked at Dedrick Mills and said, yeah, he's a, a bell cow running back. He's a, a, a battering ram kind of running back. But for whatever reason, they haven't felt comfortable using him in that role. They didn't feel comfortable using him in that role. Um, and so it was a lot of like quarterback draw. It was a lot of Wondell Robinson. Um, and you know, from a, a passing standpoint, I mean, when you're when you're in the red zone, the, the field is smaller, windows are tighter. Um, you've got to be really, really smart with where you're putting the football. And you know, decision making has been something of uh, something of an issue for Adrian Martinez. And and you know, the other thing is they just haven't had that Austin Allen. Um, but in terms of like big threats, big tall guys, they can just go up and get a football in the red zone. They, they haven't had a ton. Um, and when they've had opportunities, you know, if you think back to the ball going through a, a wide out's hands uh, in the end zone, should have been a touchdown. So, you know, like it, it's been a lot of, um, it, it's been a, sort of a, a comedy of, of errors, a lot of reasons why. But I think, you know, when you look at the personnel for this upcoming season, you think about sort of the way that Nebraska um, – Offensive coordinator Matt Lubick, offensive line coach Greg Austin have talked about the run game. Um, and, and then, you know, if you put much stock into what's being said about Adrian Martinez, his decision-making, his accuracy, I think you know, the hope is that Nebraska can, can be better there. Um, but, you know, part of it, too, is – and Brandon Bogle has, has written about this a ton and talked about this a ton. They just have to be more explosive offensively, and that'll help because then you're not having to, you know, capitalizing the red zone all the time because you're scoring touchdowns before you get to the red zone. Um, so it, there's, been a, there's been a lot of reasons. It's not just like one 
thing that has ailed them in the red zone has been it's been a bunch of things. Um, and so you know, you look at personnel and you look at at growth from Adrian, and, and you hope that maybe you can massage some of those and that'll look a little bit better. Derek Peterson's with us here on Hale Varsity Radio. Derek, last thought here, about 30 seconds left. Uh, they were discussing today that the coaches were, uh, that the, the tight ends seem to have more catches uh, through uh, this portion of fall camp than they ever have during their tenure here at Nebraska. Uh, are, are you buying stock on the wide receivers right now, or excuse me, the tight ends right now and what they can do in the red zone? Sure. Um, they've, got, they've got a lot of talent in the tight end room. And so, you know, and, and those guys are all, um, bigger guys with big catch radiuses, and so if you know something that like Oliver Martin said in the spring that that they're um, changing uh, progressions so that that deep ball or, or is uh, early on. Um, I think it was Chris. They said Chris Hickman caught a seventy-yard pass at the seam. Um, if you're getting that stuff, like sure, that, that tells me that they're they're looking at the tight ends more. And if if that's sort of the um, I guess if that's one of the emphasis is then sure, yeah, absolutely. I believe in the talent they have there. All right, quick yes or no. Have you visited the Home Alone house? No. Have you visited the Ferris Bueller house? No. Did you stop by Lollapalooza? Okay, well, I got to do some stuff. You do. We will check. We'll check in next week on your adventure in Chicago. Okay. I am going to the Marvel exhibit at the at the uh, Science Museum next month. All right, I'll, I'll let you do that. <laughs> See you, Derek. Good to talk, brother. Thanks, buddy. Chime in, 402-466-ESPN, or email the show, chris at hailvarsity.com. Just try me. Try me. Back to Hail Varsity Radio. Back at it, Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Time for a Jock Doc Wednesday, Lincoln Orthopedic Center. Dr. Brandon Seifert's with us. Dr. Brandon, good to spend some time with you. Are you ready for some football? How are you? I'm good, buddy. Absolutely ready, especially for those Huskers coming up, that's for sure. Yeah, that'll be entertaining and interesting all-in-one NFL around the corner. And a guy I think we both kind of root for, and, and I know he's battled the injury bug because he's been a jock doc uh, participant more times than he'd like. Carson Wentz going from Philly to Indy and kind of a fresh start for Carson Wentz, but a same story, Dr. Brandon. And that's Carson Wentz going to have to have surgery here out five to 12 weeks with a procedure on his foot. Kind of give us some, some insight here on what's going on with Carson Wentz. Yeah, you know, a couple of scenarios for him. I think that as I kind of read through this, obviously we don't get the whole story with reading through it online. I think probably what happened here is at some point uh, back in the day, he had a, uh, what we call a fifth metatarsal base fracture. And essentially, if you think about your foot anatomically, there's, there's five kind of main long bones in your foot. The one on the outside coming off the pinky toe would be called the fifth metatarsal. Um, and as you kind of move back towards the midfoot on the outside, there's kind of a pointed bone there that would be what we call the metatarsal base. But basically, there's two kind of injuries that happen there, one of which is called a, a fifth metatarsal base called a pseudo-Jones fracture, kind of a fake Jones, if you will, false Jones. And then the other one's called a Jones fracture. And the one that occurs kind of on the very tip of that bone is called a fake Jones or a pseudo-Jones fracture. Um, the good news is to get one of those, typically we treat those non-operatively. It's, it's rare we ever have to do 
do surgery on that, and it sounds like that's what he had back in the day, and it sounds like they probably treated it non-operatively. And those usually do fine. Sometimes they don't totally heal in with bone. They'll heal in with some spark tissue, which is called a, like a fibrous union. And, and again, they're usually asymptomatic after they fill in enough with either spark tissue or bone. Where it comes an issue is if you move a little further forward, to so move a little bit more towards kind of the tip of the toe, um, that's called a Jones fracture, kind of at the next juncture of that bone. So kind of right where the tip of the joint gone to the shaft part. That's an important fracture in the sense of there's not great blood supply there. So typically if you fracture that area, especially as a young athlete, it doesn't heal well. So predominantly we fix all of those. And that would be with uh, putting a screw into that area to fix that. Not a huge surgery. Uh, does well. Has high healing rates. And there's quite a few athletes running around, especially collegiate athletes with that fracture. But again, I think in this scenario, kind of reading some of the lines here and the stuff that's put out on the web, I think he probably had an old, we call a fake Jones, pseudo Jones refraction tip of it. They didn't do surgery on it. Probably healed well. They're doing well for a while. And then what happened here recently is he kind of retwisted the ankle, which is typically how you would get this injury, kind of roll the ankle. And he probably stirred up that old area that probably had healed back, my guess would be with probably some fibrous tissue. And now they're just having a hard time calming it down. And now there's discussion of going in surgically to essentially take out that piece of what it sounds like they're planning. Dr. Brandon Seifert's with us. Lincoln Orthopedic Center at Jock Doc Wednesday. Carson Wentz and his foot surgery. Our topic, Pseudo Jones, uh, what we're uh, deeming this as. So, Dr. Brandon, what's what's your take on the wide range of recovery? Five weeks could be, you know, he's back week one or week two. Twelve weeks means maybe after their bye week, maybe he misses the first five or six games of the year. And Indy's, uh, you know, Indy's a playoff team or right around there, and they could go from pretty good to, to really good with him behind center. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I think the biggest thing is when you, when you look at that window period, that five weeks, 12 weeks, that's a, that's a big window. Probably the biggest thing there is it's, that's not a common surgery. If what they're planning is to go in and take out, you know, a loose piece of bone that's there, some scar tissue that's there, not a common surgery. And so there's really not a, there's not a great blueprint for that in terms of recovery in the you know, collegiate professional realm. Um, and so that's probably where there's a little bit of uncertainty in terms of his recovery. Um, I would anticipate him before he's at his athletic as he is. He's playing quarterback, more of a drop-back kind of guy. I would probably err more on the side if he's probably back in six or seven weeks. Uh, but there's still a chance that it could be 12 weeks. It all depends on the pain from that. Um, and I would have some, definitely some reservations about, you know, taking that piece out. Is that really going to solve all of his discomfortable issues? He could create other issues from, which is probably why he's had multiple opinions on this as you read through the uh, articles online. You know, that's that's interesting that he's had. And, and here's the thing with Wentz. I mean, kind of a freak knee injury, you know, as, as he's driving Philly towards the postseason. Foles comes in, wins the Super Bowl. And then, you know, Wentz never gets back to form. They draft Jalen Hurts. And, and he needs to get out of there because there's not trust uh, with his staff and, and with him. And, and he's just flat out injured all the time uh he has played a full season just twice in his career but it's not for him kind of wussing out he's just had bad bad luck with what he's been dealt injury wise the 
uh, schedule is this for Indy. I mean, it's Seattle, it's the Rams, it's Tennessee, it's Miami, it's Baltimore. So we're talking, you know, playoff teams that are combined 54 and 26 last year. Uh, I'm interested here with with just Wentz's style, you know, a a pro-style drop-back guy that went to North Dakota State. He was a mobile guy, too. Could that be part of this wear and tear? I know you mentioned ankle twisting that could cause this type of break, Dr. Brandon. Is is his style more susceptible to this injury? Yeah, so you look at his style of play, and that definitely, you know, lends itself to a little bit of that... uh, uh, issue of you know potentially having some more kind of ankle twisting events. You know, you look at a guy too. He's had now he's had the foot injuries, that sprain issues. He's had the ACL injury. You know, a guy has got a, a cannon for an arm. He's probably one of those athletes that we see that has some pretty significant laxity in his joints. Uh, one of those folks that you know could you know, think he, he kind of looks like he's double jointed his fingers and you know, put his fingers in different spots and the rest of his hand. Um, and so, as you have an athlete like that, they always kind of walk that fine line of being too loose, not loose enough. Um, and then, if you start to cross over that line, you start to have some of these things show up: multiple ankle sprains, um, you know, osseous issues like the fifth minute tarsal problems. Uh, they start to issues with ACLs. And so, yeah, I think that he's probably a guy that you know, has some of that underlying ligamentous laxity. And that probably has led to some of these injuries and kind of that kind of frequent injury bug. And it's unfortunate to see some of these folks. If you look at all these athletes at that level, and all of them have some sort of, you know, ligamentous laxity that allows a baseball pitcher to throw 100 some miles an hour, that they can put their shoulder in a place the rest of the time. So that's always that fine line that you walk. And once you start crossing over that, then you start to see all these little injuries pile up and become big injuries. Dr. Brandon, a quick thought with just his mechanics. Could this be dis- cause discomfort on that plant foot when he's back to throw? Yeah, it sure could. You know, I'm wondering if that's kind of a big issue for him as he's taking that uh, couple drop steps back there and then plants that foot down to come forward. That's probably a big part of this. Uh, but it's also, anytime you're doing some kind of lateral cutting motions, you know, that's a big kind of weight-bearing area as you kind of shift your weight through that area, and that also can be quite painful. Dr. Brandon Seifert's with us, Lincoln Orthopedic Center, a jock doc Wednesday. Carson Wentz and that uh, pseudo-Jones injury we're talking about. Dr. Brandon, uh, we're getting closer to kickoff. Thanks for a few minutes today. You bet, Chris. You guys take care. Gotta love Dr. Brandon. Carson Wentz update. A reminder, 70% of people in fatal crashes in Nebraska not wearing a seatbelt. If used properly, a seatbelt can reduce the risk of fatal injury by up to by up to 60%. Your best defense in any crash buckling up. Brought to you by the Nebraska Department of Highway Safety Office. Final thoughts when we come back. Miss us? Come here, brother. Give me a hug. Bring it in for the real thing. We're on call for you. Catch the podcast at HailVarsity.com, the ESPN Lincoln app, or download them on iTunes. Saddle up, partner. Back to Hail Varsity Radio. Thanks for hanging out. Hail Varsity Radio presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Good stuff from Coach Lubick today, the OC for the Big Red. And uh, some more from Sean Becton tomorrow, some Greg Austin tomorrow, Gary Barnett tomorrow, Brandon Vogel, Danny Burke. We are crossing both fingers here for Pick 6 previews. We, uh, we are awaiting a yay or a nay this week or next. And he just goes so in-depth with like his, his, uh, his preview book every single it's year. It's money. He's and, good. And last year, uh, they have like a little metric to, to judge the accuracy of uh, 
like whose preview books were correct and who was incorrect when predicting like the conference standings. And he was like 91% accurate last year or something mm. ridiculous like that. Well, and he has, I think, Nebraska tied for third with Minnesota. I'd take so, it. So that means you're, you're right behind Wisconsin and Iowa. And you, you knock one of those three off and you lose to two of the three. And maybe you get bit by one of your crossovers, which is highly likely. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, we'll, we'll get some, uh, some over-under numbers here on Danny Burke. We'll get his takeaway on the first six and uh, the total 12. Uh, Lars Anderson is in the great state of Nebraska. I'm choking up because I've, I've not had a beer with Lars in a while. So uh, we will see if we can't, uh, I don't know, trank dart him and get him in studio here. Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> Lars, remember coming to Cornhusker Highway? <laughs> Want to do it again? <laughs> oh, <laughs> I'll just leave that alone. Uh, yes. Let's hear, from, uh, let's hear from Coach Lubick on Omar Manning, kind of the strides he's made and how camp has gone for, for number five. Sure. No, he's been, he's been really good. Uh, it goes back to the, the consistency. He's been very consistent. He, you know, he's another guy that was, because of injuries last year, is kind of in and out of the lineup, especially during practice. Um, and now he's, he's healthy, and it's fun to see what he can do when he's healthy. And he's playing with confidence. Uh, you know, another first-year player that's been in the system for a year so actually knows what he's doing. And so all that talent that we knew he had is, is, is starting to rise up to the top, and we're actually able to see it because he's confident what he's doing. Confidence so key. Now let's talk. Do we have time? Wide receiver rotation. Uh, and formation-wise, you're looking at two tight ends or three wide outs. In a lot of instances, more from Coach Lubick. We'd like to be able to play as many as we can. What I mean by that, our base personnel could be two tight ends, could be three receivers. We want to have a two deep that can at least go in there and function and play and make plays. Now, if we can play more guys, that makes everyone better because of rest, you know, and guys are fresh. And uh, we always talk about the end of the day, who's going to determine that is, is the players themselves. You know, we're, we're, we're mixing, matching different lineups. Um, we've got a lot of competition, which is making everybody better. But we'll keep seeing them. If we can play more guys, we'll play more guys. If we can only play four or five guys, we'll play four or five guys. Uh, but if it's, if it's close, it helps us as a football team, and not just a receiver at every position, the more guys we can play. The quarterback might be a little bit different. We have time for Toure. We do. If we hustle. He, he's been great. I think it's been huge. You know, I, I know they spent a lot of time together uh, off the field. And uh, I know Omar's another guy that kind of looks to Samari because of his experience and the way he's done things. And this is how you do things. And that, that's been a huge deal. You know, Samari rubbing off on Omar. And, yeah, I think it, not just Omar, but he's rubbed off on a whole bunch of guys. But, yeah, that's, that's been, it's been great for us. Seems like chemistry's for real. We'll see uh, three weeks from Saturday, Nebraska, Illinois. Thanks for tuning in to Hale Varsity Radio. Give us a rating podcast. Uh, Google Play, iTunes, Spotify, Hail Varsity Radio. Talk to you tomorrow at 4.